Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Yes, let's go live. All right, one minute. I gotta fix my hair. No, we don't have a minute. We're starting right now. What? Look, I've got my University of Dayton Flyers mug. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look at all those look at all those patrons. Why are they patronizing us? <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the live stream. Uh, for those of you uh, who are watching this later, we're we're all we're just answering questions here. Um, from some folks that we 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 put up a a post on Patreon a, a few weeks ago, and man, we got dozens of questions. We'll try to uh, we let you vote on which ones were your favorites. We'll try to get around to those. Uh, we're right now in the middle of a tour. We just landed in in Dayton, Ohio, and we're giving a talk here at the university tonight. Yeah, University and of Dayton. That is the University of Dayton. We have. Um it's I'll be honest, circle. man. I was full circle. I was really surprised, uh, not surprised, but I was really honored when they asked us to be at it. Cause this is like a, a college I've always looked up to. Yeah. And it's like, man, if I could go over and, and like do it all over again and actually no, I probably wouldn't go to college, but if I was, I'd, I would pick university of Dayton. <laughs> it's a beautiful campus. Really like, I'm is. looking out the it's window gorgeous. right now and it's, it looks like an Ivy League school, um, and just to think, I mean, so we wrote three books together, and a lot of those, especially the first drafts, were written on this campus. I would walk around, and I would just get ideas, sort of scribble them down, or type them into my BlackBerry. Yes. And um, <laughs> as I would walk around, or I also write auditorily, so sometimes, like, I would, I'd be writing out loud and i would i would just i think you i was just, you would look you would look manic because you're just talking to yourself i think <laughs> walking around talking to yourself i was the schizophrenic person <laughs> on, on campus well you weren't directing traffic though were you <laughs> it may have looked like it if i was really getting okay. into it moving my arms as long like as this. you weren't directing traffic then you're probably all right and podcast sean is here by the way he's going to record this so we can put it out as a a audio podcast for patreon supporters only so thank you for your support it means a lot We've got a bunch of questions, so we might as well dive in. Oh, but first, I must tell you, Ryan, I would. The other thing I should have done, I thought about it first. I should have just worn a Bluetooth headset, like that would have made me not look schizophrenic while I was walking right through here. But then I thought, you know what? I'd rather be schizophrenic than walk around with a Bluetooth headset on. This just reminded me. I remember um, your mom giving me a ride home from school or something. <laughs> yes, and I she, know. <laughs> she had, I know where this is going. She had a like a um, like a phone, just the um, the receiver end of it. <laughs> so like it was, it, it looked like you know, like one of the regular phones you would uh, house phones that you would hang up, and it was just the receiver end of it with the cord hanging out of it. And I asked her. I'm like, why do you have that? And she's like, so I don't look crazy when I pray. <laughs> she used to when I drive around. So, but, but to me, I'm like, wait a minute, having that receiver. In <laughs> she might actually look a little bit more crazy. Well, it looked like because this was the days of the car phones, right? So there were car phones in yeah. cars back then. But the problem was she didn't have a nice enough car to pretend that she had a car phone. She had like a 1992 Geo Storm, yellow Geo Storm. Yep. 
and uh, uh, stick shift. Oh my goodness! Three cylinder Geostorm. All right, enough about oh, your those, mother. Those were the days. All right, let's dive into these questions. All right, cool. We got quite a few. We're gonna start with uh, Catherine Crook's question. I think, or maybe we won't. We're gonna start with uh, new control. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got him. I've got him here. All We're right. gonna start with Tanya Olson's question. She says. You say, show me your schedule and I'll show you your priorities. Yeah, we do say that sometimes. Um, do you have any tips for rules on how to schedule your day so that your priorities are, in fact, your true priorities? Right? Mm. Man, um, I don't know how to answer this. I'm trying to think of this profound truism to say even more so about, you know, your priorities aren't what you say the they truism's are. It's, it's already what right you there. do. Yeah, I mean, it's here's what it comes down to for me. Those things that I schedule in my calendar, uh, the things that I schedule first are my priorities, and I treat my calendar as gospel. I do not allow other things to uh, cut in to uh, those those times I have set aside to work out, that I have set aside uh, time to read, uh, that I have set aside time to write, or even if it's just to hang out with Mariah um, and, you know, we, we had planned dinner or something. Uh, those things are... Are, uh, are are held gospel, so I do not I do not let anything interfere with those. I guess I'm just having trouble because, I mean, what I'm hearing her say here, Tanya, right? What I'm hearing Tanya say here is, she schedules her week, but she lets everything else get into the way. I mean, my, my, the biggest piece of advice is, well, it's not about, um, it, it's you don't have to do anything magical here. It's 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 just changing the way you approach making your schedule. And I've got to tell a lot of people no, so I can put those priorities first. I think, I think that's so important. The, the saying the n- no and getting better at saying no, and you've got to exercise that muscle because you're probably bad at saying no right now. I think we all are because we're in this culture of yes, 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 yes. That's the consumerist culture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes to everything, right. not just the stuff, but like to every opportunity, to every every request, every email. And, and before you know it, you're just uh, plagued by endless distractions. So three right. things for you real quick, Tanya. So easy to do. Number one is start your day with some small victories. Now, for me, that can be a, something as simple as making my bed. And, and so I don't always get out of bed first uh, when Bex is there. And so like, uh, we will make the bed eventually, but I, I like to get out of bed way before. She, she'll usually sleep two or three hours after me. And so I'll get up w- and, and start my day with some other small victories. So writing, exercise, reading, things that are our priorities for me. Starting the day early with two or three victories early on that that sets up the momentum for the day. So I already feel like I've succeeded throughout the day. If you if you have to wait all day to the end of the night to, to work out, you may not get around to it, right? But if you've exercised first thing in the morning, you're like, all right, I did that. I feel really good about it. And mm-hmm. who knows if I feel great tonight, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll exercise again or I'll do some sort of stretching or yoga or something. Right. And you'll have an additional victory later on in the day. But start the day off with some, with some victories. Uh, number two is you want to avoid distractions. And, mm. and, and part of that has to do with- Amen. What Ryan said to, to, to the no's, uh, you have to be able to say no uh, frequently. And that no can be as simple as saying no to push notifications on your phone. Yeah. I mean, th- those things, it, it, the, we have all these little distractions throughout the day that we're letting other people dictate our schedule, whether it's email or meetings or text messages or pings or tweets or Facebook status updates or instant messenger, whatever it may be. And we have all these distractions. We're letting other people dictate. And before you know it, you're sitting in the passenger seat of your own life. Yeah. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do is say yes to everyone, schedule in uh, the time that they want to take from you. 
and then look at your calendar and say, oh, now where can I fit my priorities in? I mean, that is the exact opposite of the way <laughs> to to manage one's schedule. Yeah, yeah. And, and the third thing, last thing I'll recommend to you is develop better habits. I don't have a daily routine per se, but I do have daily habits. And, and the reason I don't have a daily routine is because we're on the road quite a bit or my life changes from day to day. But I do have habits that I must implement every single day. You know, the first three that I mentioned in the morning, reading, writing, and exercise, th th those are three. I also do physical therapy every single day. But your habits really have to be in line with your priorities or with your values. You need to figure out what those habits are going to be, and you need to make them musts in your life instead of shoulds. It's so easy for us to say, I should work out today, or I should write, or I should contribute to my community in a meaningful way. But the truth is that we can say I should do this. We don't get around to doing it. When it becomes a must, when you have enough leverage, th then you're able to, to make the decision. Actually, the decision's already made for you. Mm. When you have the habit, you're not making the decision anymore. You've already made the decision. You know, you just have to execute on, on that habit. Yeah. And don't be scared to say no. It, it is difficult. Um, you know, I don't want to make it sound easy, but uh, the people in your life who love you and care about you uh, and want you to be happy, they're going to support you and they're going to understand uh, when you say no to something, so you, you can say yes to something else. And the other thing I'll just add real quick is you're probably, most people are, I still am, uh, uncomfortable with saying no. And the only way I get better at it is continuing to say no and practicing. So practice saying no and, and uh, don't worry about what your, your friends and family think because if they love you and want you to be happy, they will, they will support you. Indeed, they will. Uh, let's see. Now we actually do have a question from Catherine Cook. All right. Uh, Catherine says, hi, guys. Since I've started living a more minimalist lifestyle, I find myself feeling some anxiety when I'm in cluttered environments or visiting friends and family who have a lot of, quote, stuff. Um, is this normal? Did you guys ever feel like this once you started living intentionally with less? Um, I mean, maybe normal. I, 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 I think is this normal is probably the wrong question to ask, right? Because it may be normal for you. It's not normal for me. I, I don't judge other people's stuff. I, and, and it's funny when when I we were on the road for our first book, Minimalism: Live a Meaningful Life. We would stay at a lot of readers' houses. And Ryan, what's the first thing they would say to us as soon as we walk in? Oh man, now I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my house isn't exactly nice and tidy right now, and I'm not a minimalist. I'm just a minimalist in practicing. But but please don't judge all my stuff. Yeah, and, and what I've learned is that, that judgment is just a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. And so really, anytime I feel anxiety about other people's stuff, it's really showing my own insecurities. And, and, and then I have to start ask, asking myself deeper questions. Why do I feel so insecure about this stuff? Why have I given so much meaning to this stuff? Why do I care about what other people own? Because it's not directly affecting me in any way. Now, obviously, if, if people were buying a bunch of stuff and throwing it at you, that stuff starts affecting you, right? Mm. But right now, if you're just going to someone else's space, it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> just imagining like you walking over and like someone hurling a kitchen sink at you or something. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I totally do get that um, anxious feeling. I think I can relate to this, Catherine. For me, it is the insecurity about uh, what I feel about my own home. And I, I, and you know, I start to think to myself, like, what if I had to live in this home? What if I had to deal with this mess? And it starts to make me feel anxious, like, because I start thinking about how I'd have to clean and I have to get rid of stuff and I'd have to, you know, do all those things that, that I uh, did when I did the packing party. But then I can quickly, uh, I can quickly, you know, look at myself in the mirror and say, Hey Ryan, this isn't your stuff. 
and you don't have to worry about how you're going to uh, tackle this. In fact, you're here to spend time with your friend or your family member that you're here to see. And for me to give that thought and that anxiety any more thought and let and let that stuff stress me out, it really takes away um, from from that that moment and that time that I'm trying to spend with that that person that I care about. Um, I have been in situations where like. Um, I'll go to a certain family member's house and they smoke a lot and it stinks. And when I leave there, I smell like a tobacco factory. Like it's really, really bad. So, um, sometimes I will go there and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stink and that's okay. But other times, um, you know, I might want to stop or hang out with someone, uh, with, with this family member before I go do something else. And I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to smell like smoke before before I go and do my my second thing that I have to do. So I will ask that family member if they want to meet me for coffee or for lunch. I will uh, ask them if, if, if I can remove them from, you know, the, their house and we can go somewhere else. And I'm, and I'm very open with my with my family member too about, hey, look, you smoke, and when I leave there, I stink really bad of cigarettes, so I'd rather not hang out at your place right now. Yeah, and, and I think what you're talking about is let's meet in a neutral environment, right? right? Yeah. You're not going to feel intimidated in my space because I don't own anything. Right. And and I'm, I'm not going to feel anxious in, in your space. And you don't have to posit it that way. You, you no. can just say, hey, let's meet in, in, at a coffee shop. Or hey, I'd really prefer to grab lunch. Uh, you know, I haven't eaten today or whatever, and and that will allow you to have sort of this neutral ground. Yeah. And so you don't feel that anxiety or that judgment. And by the way, that stuff. family member, like when you know, when I say, hey, look, I really don't want to smell like cigarette smoke. Um, I'd rather not hang out at your place. They do not get offended because they understand that. Okay, yeah, we smoke a lot, and Ryan doesn't want to smell like cigarette smoke. And guess what? They love me, and they want me to be happy, so they go out of their way to support me, and yeah. I do the same for them. <laughs> But of course, you know, you don't. I mean, I'll you give would, them an ultimatum. You would like for them to stop smoking because sure. you know it's healthy for them. Yeah. But you don't say, "Well, I'm not going to be your friend if you're a smoker." Um, I mean, th- there are times where that's necessary. If someone is is um, is doing something that harms them and their community or them and their friends, mm-hmm. then you may have to distance, distance distance yourself from them if it's a sort of toxic relationship. That's not what you're talking about here. Is you're not trying to change that person. No. You're just trying to change the environment in which you interact. Yeah, and I'll say too, like when you're talking to someone about something that, like this is a great example. Uh, the smell of your house it is offensive. You don't want to just come out and say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned is whenever you have to have these tough conversations with friends and family, as long as you can show them that you love them, as long as you can show them that uh, you support them, that you, that you want them to be happy, if you can go out of your way to show them that you care about them uh, and respect them, that's the number one thing. If, if they can see that, yes, you're offended by the, the smell, but you still respect them, they're going to react in a very positive way. So like the conversation I had with this family member, it's, it's, it really was as simple as, hey, I've got to go do something else after you and I are supposed to hang out. And every time I leave your house, I smell like smoke a lot. That's okay. I don't mind it usually, but I've got to go do something else. Can we go hang out somewhere else? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not saying, well, you know, you have a tobacco factory in your house and you stink so bad. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to be tactful with it and, and show that person respect. And if you can show someone respect, then they will they'll show it back to you for the most part. Keith Callback asks, I frequently get asked for advice on minimizing books and DVDs, but when I say there is nowhere to sell them and I suggest donating, uh, that I'm often told I might as well just hang on to them then. Any suggestions for how to help my friends find the leverage they need? Yeah, you, you probably don't want to help them 
find the leverage they need. I mean, here's what I mean by that. If they're not looking for it, it's like, how do you force your friends to play water polo? <laughs> I mean, if they're not, if they're not interested in, in doing that, maybe they can't swim, then, then um, trying to force them is, is just going to drown them, right? And, and so I, I think that you're in the same place. If, if they really want to let go of stuff and then they need to find leverage, that's a different question. But if they want to hold on to stuff... It's not really your job for you to determine what things they should or shouldn't hold on to. And I think that's important for all of us. Uh, letting go is, is a highly individual journey and, and even individual in the sense like individual family unit. Uh, and, and so it starts with the one individual quite often, but then it, it can lead to the whole family simplifying their lives. But that's still one individual unit, the family unit, uh, one household is another way to put it. But beyond that, even, even within the household, it's not about forcing the other people. It's about leading by example. And so I, I did the same thing with all of my friends. Many of my friends certainly aren't minimalists. Uh, some of them are, but, uh, I think a lot of them have, have benefited from Ryan's recipe and my recipe of, of letting go. And maybe they haven't let go of the same stuff, but it's helped them down that same path toward something more meaningful. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm, if you're asking her for advice on how you could get leverage for getting rid of your DVDs and your books, um, yeah, I mean, I would just, if someone's asking you that, then, like, I would tell you, uh, Keith, I'd say, hey, man, um, how many times are you going to read those books? How many times are you going to watch those DVDs? Like, if that's what you plan on doing with the rest of your life, like, you might want to reconsider what you're planning to do with that time. But Keith, I would only give that advice if someone was asking for it, I would never uh, go to a friend or family member and tell them that. It sounds like through his question, they are asking for it. Um, maybe. I, another thing, I, another thing, I thought, yeah, you're right. Maybe. I mean, they're not asking directly, like, give me leverage, right? Um, but, but there, it sounds like they're saying, hey, what can I do? He said, here's a couple options, and they're finding excuses to hold on. on. They're not asking for more. Uh, advice or leverage they're right. just coming back with excuses as to why they should hold on to it sure. well i might as well hold on to it because of x y and z yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah you gotta you gotta be careful with that yeah i mean i think it's we have to go into it w- without being judgmental right absolutely and 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 here's the the best tip of what not to do don't be passive aggressive about it mm-hmm. right they like, don't go to someone's house man I'd love to sit down here, but there are all these DVDs in the way. <laughs> You've just thrown DVDs on <laughs> right? the couch. You just throw them on the couch. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you have a really good, like Ryan and I could do that with each other because sure. it'd be hilarious. <laughs> but I think with most people, it would be the most obnoxious thing in the world. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it would only be hilarious now, the fact that we, like, uh, here's an example. Like, I just, when you, you went out to Ohio, you left your jacket back in LA. And I went to go get, like, your jacket, and you're like, we just unpacked the closet, man. And like, <laughs> you're like, you know, Mariah's stuff is it's behind my one jacket is behind all of Mariah's stuff. I'm like, I, I'm, I call Ryan up. I'm like, hey, man, I'm having to dig through all this stuff to try to find this jacket. <laughs> um, but like, it would only be funny now, like, because like we, we are on the same page. If you're not on the same page, it seems as it seems like you're arrogant or superior. Um, and, and, um, that's that not that's not a way to change someone's mind. Yeah, it well that doesn't show respect. Going back to that whole thing, it's like if you are uh, coming across as superior or mightier than thou, then that's not showing one uh, respect. And if someone, if they feel like they are not being respected, they are certainly not going to respect you. 
Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Crystal asks, what is the best way to get the most out of rejection? How do I use disappointing feedback to encourage myself to move forward to the next pathway? Yeah, I think I think the pathway to success is actually paved with rejections. Mm. And, and so I learned this early on when I first started doing sales when I was like, I was 18 years old. And, and I think by 19, I had figured out the the magic recipe to yes was was a, a road paved with golden nose. Mm. And I remember doing cold calling and having to like get you know, there was a, an average like for every every 10 no's you got you would get one yes right. and sometimes you, you would and i would write i would tally it down i had a tally sheet every single day and yeah. so, some days you're like man i got to my first yes after seven no's like how awesome is that like my batting average is improving significantly yeah. and then after the, you know then you get the one appointment and for every five appointments you got you got one close and so you're like okay well it takes 50 phone calls for me to get one closed sale right mm-hmm. that means I, it takes 49 rejections yeah. to get one acceptance and, and you, it becomes odds at that point like the best baseball players in the world fail 70 percent of the time Mm. Think about that. 300 batting average is considered to be stellar, right? Think about a 400 batting average, which is unheard of, except you know maybe way back Ty Cobb days yeah, or something. something. Like that. Uh, uh, that means they still failed 60 percent of the time. 60 percent of the time, they struck out or fly out or whatever. They got they were out. Yeah. And and so I think the the the, the key is to not allow that to force procrastination because you're like, oh, I failed. I'll just wait to do the next one. No, that means you're one more no closer to a yes. And so I need to hurry up and get these no's out of the way. That was always my philosophy and it still is my philosophy now. I'm going to screw this up. When Ryan and I go out on tour, we have nights where we, we don't perform our best. We have other nights where we absolutely kill it. And I tell you, that ratio has improved significantly over time. Yeah. We have become, in, in the same sense, like the first time you ever play, the first time you ever play play baseball you might strike out every single time right Mm -hmm. and eventually you're going to hit the ball but then you're going to get better and you're going to get better and now like i feel like we strike out less but we still have nights where i'm like strike "Ah." out yeah and it's okay that that still takes that that failure to get to to get to that success yeah i I mean the the only thing i might be able to like squeeze out of this how to how to learn from your failures question crystal is just be clear on why you failed. So if it's, if it's like sales or, you know, batting, whatever it may be like, that's, that's kind of a numbers game, right? You just got to keep going at it. But let's say, you know, there's a relationship you have and it fails. Um, I don't, you know, suggest you go out and fail a hundred relationships. Uh, but I would, you know, look at that one failed relationship and get clear on what was it that didn't, uh, that, that didn't make this click. Was it, uh, we didn't spend enough time with each other. Was I being, uh, respected enough? Was I, um, not respecting my partner enough, whatever it may be, um, just get clear on why it didn't work. And then you know how to adjust, um, when you try, you know, a relationship out again, it can be a little dangerous too, right though? Cause like, um, you know, th- that word jaded mm. gets thrown a lot for people who date like in their thirties right? and in their forties. Oh, everyone's so jaded. And it, it would be very easy to hold on to, you know, a lot of past, um, bad interactions with partners and stuff and let that come through with other partners. Um, so, you know, be aware of that also. But, you know, if, if you had a partner where, oh man, they're not, uh, you know, they're always an hour late and they're not calling you when they say they will. And some days you can't get a hold of them and then you find out they're, uh, they're cheating on you. Like that's something you definitely want to take note of and, uh, you know, look for that in other partners. So 
I think so, I think that's a great point, Ryan. With especially with relationships, I think now, like with Bex, she's it's the best relationship I've ever been in by far, and you know this. And I've been in some good relationships. I've been in some really bad relationships, <laughs> as you know, which will eventually make it maybe into the next book. Um, and and uh, I've been in mostly mediocre relationships, mm. though. When you think about it, it's like it wasn't it wasn't awful, but it wasn't outstanding. And those actually, the, in a weird way, there were still failures because they. They they failed in the sense that I failed, not the relationship failed. Mm. Uh, but they led to a success in the sense that, and I, and and because of that, I don't even have to look at them as failures anymore. In in that that same sort of context, I can look at them as, wow, that was great for a particular season, and and we grew out of that relationship, and that's okay. But the lessons I learned from those previous relationships, I was able to carry those forward, and it's the reason my relationship with Bex is so good now, is because we're able to talk about the things and the failures from the past, the lessons that we've learned, yeah. the times we've struck out, the, the shitty relationships, the mediocre relationships, the good relationships where I have failed, where she has failed, and get that out in the open so mm. we can avoid we can avoid the pitfalls and pursue that which we find meaningful. Absolutely. All right, our next question I believe is from Sally Russell. Yes it is. Do you, how do you let go of friendships without appearing unkind or arrogant, particularly if you live in a small town? And you will cross paths with these people again. First off, you're not going to be able to control how other people feel about you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the... So, so instead of letting go of just the relationship, the first thing we have to let go of is, is worrying about what their interpretation is. Mm. Because just as, as you, can't, you can't understand someone else's intentions, it's going to be hard for you to understand what emotions they feel based on the life that you're living. I mean, there are plenty of people who think Ryan and I are, what are the, the words, the, unkind or arrogant. And and I have to be able to, the, the, I think the key is, and this is the takeaway I, I would give you, Sally, is you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, is this the best relationship for this period of my life? Again, going back to that previous conversation, you may have a friendship, a coworker, a boss, a, a romantic relationship, uh, acquaintance, someone else in the community. You may have someone where that relationship was really ideal. There are a lot of networking buddies I had back in my 20s, mm. and it made sense for what I was trying to do at the time. But mm. those relationships don't necessarily carry forward. You know, it's the there's the old apothem uh, for a reason for a season. Yeah. And so there was a reason that we, we went through this relationship together. Maybe it was a failure. Maybe I could learn from it. Or maybe it was outstanding, but it's time to move on from that. And, and I, I think the first thing that you need to do is be able to look in the mirror and say, is this the right relationship for me? Does it align with my values? And if not, then that's when you have to find a way uh, to let go of the relationship. But the first thing you have to let go of is the worry about what other people think about you. Because if you get caught up in that, it's just a death trap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking for advice on how to uh, you know, talk to a, a friend right now that you have that you want to you know, stop being friends with, I mean, that's, that's going to be a difficult conversation. There's no doubt about that. And I certainly don't have an easy answer uh, to, to make it easy. What I'll say is that you, you have to have that conversation, though. You have to have that difficult conversation. If you don't, then that friend's going to keep trying to get a hold of you. You're going to keep doing uh, one of few things. You're going to ignore them. You're going to make excuses. Or worse, 
you're going to go ahead and appease them and just say yes to them and keep hanging out with them because you're too scared to have that hard conversation with and them. And that's not a good friend. Just a, I would hate if all you did was appease me and you would hate if all I did was appease you. Well, yes, that would be, yes, that would be a horrible type of friend. That's not a friendship. <laughs> no, that's not a friendship at all. So going back to, um, I love how this keeps coming up, like show your friend respect. Go out of your way to show that person that you respect them, you respect who they are, even if at the end of the day, maybe they're off you know, uh, I don't know, they're doing, they're having some behavior that you don't approve with, at least show, and and you don't respect their lifestyle, but at least show them that you respect their freedom and their decision to do what they want to do with their life. And, and explain to them that what they do doesn't really align with what you want to do. And you think of a time where you two did hang out and maybe there was something where you went and saw a movie or whatever, whatever it is. You can say, oh, yeah, you know what? We can go see a movie if you want to sometimes. But, you know, going to the bars and, uh, you know, going out and gossiping. I don't know. I'm just like making up things here as to why you wouldn't want to be uh, friends with this person. But, you know, when it comes to those things, yes, like you are going to uh, try to avoid those activities uh, more often. I've had friends in the past that um, I, I've literally had the conversation with of, hey, every time I talk to you, it's a very negative conversation. Nothing ever positive comes out of what you and I talk about. Uh, the last you know, few conversations we have had has been really about um, what's going on in your life. And I try to you know, suggest ways to help. And, and, I, and, and I also just sit there and listen. But hearing you making the same mistakes over and over again and, and, and not doing anything to change it, that is, that is uh, it's, it's very negative. And, and I try to avoid as many uh, negative con- uh, conversations as possible. I'm happy to be here for you. I'm happy to talk things through it, but I'm not going to just sit here and listen to your negative stories. I'm really trying to keep this broad because I don't want to like call anyone out. Um, That's all right. They're probably not a Patreon supporter. Probably not. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> I heard you talking about me on your Patreon. I didn't know. You, I didn't know you gave us two bucks per episode. Anyway, so my my, my point is is that um, having that tough conversation, like now when that now when I talk to that person, because I still do talk to them, as soon as it starts to go towards that negative conversation, I will simply say, "Hey, um, this is really starting to go to that negative route." And, you know, I'm happy to sit here and help if you want, but this doesn't feel helpful to me. It just feels like I'm hearing a bunch of negativity. And, I think and, and it'll totally redirect the conversation. And, and you and I do that with each other even. So, oh, yeah, so like absolutely. all the time, like, hey, man, I, I, I just can't use this negativity right now. I know we're like, this is really frustrating for both of us. We worked on this thing and the podcast deleted or whatever. Like, we just weren't happy with it. Like, and we, we start bitching about it. And I'm like, and, and Ryan will be like, hey, you know, like maybe they'll just like put this off for a day. We'll, we'll discuss it tomorrow when it's not like emotionally charged or whatever. Right. And the, the last thing that I will say for um, Sally here is uh, if if you really love someone, but it's a toxic relationship, sometimes the best way to love them is from a distance. Mm. And, and it doesn't mean you have to even necessarily have that. Some people it's going to be impossible to have that conversation with, but it's, it's possible to distance yourself from them. Our friend Rob Bell says you you have to have a funeral for the way you wish things were with Mm -hmm. your friend. And, and, uh, because 
we can't change those people, right? It's the thing I always say. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Meaning you can start surrounding yourself with new people that take up your time and that creates that, that distance from the people who, who were toxic. And quite often that can be the best way to love them. All right, we're going over on time, but I got at least one more question right. that we, we should answer here because it. it was upvoted. Um, Michelle Saunders asks, do you have any advice on conquering the fear of change? More specifically, my husband and I embrace minimalism and we desire to have a simpler life in regards to home ownership. We cannot, uh, but we cannot seem to pull the trigger to sell our 2.5 story colonial home. I just imagine they have like a four foot floor on the third, <laughs> third story. <laughs> the crawl space. Um, that's not that's not a floor. That's a crawl space. I'm going to recommend actually adding on to the house. This is weird <laughs> weird advice for me to give. No, uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, we've had this home for 28 years uh, with a large yard, in ground pool. By the way, there's nothing wrong with those things. An in ground pool. I mean, I've got friends of that, and it's pretty great. I wish I would have one as a kid. I had uh, uh, an aunt that we would go out to once or twice a a uh, a, mo- a year, once or twice a year out in Germantown, Ohio. It's like <laughs> they owned a farm and. Uh, and uh, right outside of Dayton, and um, we would go there and play in their ground pool, and it was really great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, so there's nothing wrong with with owning that, but but here here's where it comes. I add here that it is quite empty. Now you use that word, and it may be physically empty, but my guess is you mean sort of existentially em- empty mm. as well, spiritually empty, yeah. uh, functionally empty as well. Uh, it's empty because we found no happiness in the thing in things, and we spend our time traveling and experiencing things. That's great. So the house doesn't align with your values anymore for a reason, for a season, right? Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like the season has passed. Uh, it sounds like you're wearing a winter coat in the summer now, right? And it's just too much. Uh, it, it has outlived our usefulness, but we fear the unknown, i.e., what if we don't like a new place? Do we make the wrong decision? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We dream of a smaller place, less costs and maintenance, but we continually stall. Um, mm. so, so, I mean, so, well, if, to me, what stands out? Yeah, what's that? It sounds like she has more leverage right now to keep the house and to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 here's the weird problem: she feels some discontent, but it's not enough pain. Mm. The, she says there's no happiness here, but no happiness doesn't mean pain. Mm-mm. No happiness means lack of happiness. Right. And, and you need to get beyond not, no happiness. You, you're in, by the way, you're starting to experience pleasure on the other side of it. But, Ryan, you said she doesn't have the leverage. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have the leverage because she's not experiencing enough pleasure outside of the home. Mm. And also, you haven't figured out, like, where, where do I want to end up? You, you figure out what you don't want. What you don't want is usually not that compelling. It can be if it pisses you off enough. But this house doesn't piss you off. And so you need to find, in, or, in order to, to find something that's compelling, it's not what you don't want. We know you don't want the house anymore. Mm. What are you going to run to? We don't want you running away from the house just yet because, yeah, it is comfortable. It is safe. I, if I were in your shoes, I'd set a deadline. Yeah, because right now she's running to something that she may not like in her head. Right. And you want to run to something that you are going to love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that means the experience, the place. And again, it doesn't mean that you'll love it forever, right? Ryan and I just moved out to Los Angeles. And it's for a reason, for a season. The reason is that's where people go to tell stories. The season is, you know, we're 36-year-olds right now. And it may be till we're 
37 or 40 or 50 or say we don't know what that season looks like for us right now but we know it's the right choice right now but realizing that everything is is ephemeral everything when you when you look on a long enough timeline so you'll look back you'll say wow that was a great season but it's time for you to change it's time for you to shed that winter coat and you need a deadline and for me uh, you know I don't know enough about your situation but if you have the house paid off or if you're not upside down on the house which it sounds to me like you're probably not then you can go ahead and put it up for sale as soon as you have figured out where you're running to and I would give myself personally three months of crazy research where do I want to go is it the same state same city or do I want to move to a different state different city larger smaller maybe I want to move to a different country for a while maybe I want to travel the world for a year what is going to make you excited to get up every day not that it's not going to be difficult a lot of it's going to be difficult especially if if you're traveling or you're you're in a new place that's going to be much more difficult than staying where you are but that difficulty that friction is what's going to allow you to grow and also help you feel most alive yeah i totally agree set a deadline um you've got to find something to run towards that you absolutely love because that's you are in a comfortable spot right now it sounds like your home is is uh beautiful and you want something that's just as beautiful, then great. Find something just as beautiful and run towards it. But sitting at home and, and, and cr- creating all these excuses to just continue to sit and not sell your house, um, that, that, is, that is not uh, giving you the right leverage. So set a deadline, find something you love, and, and start getting leverage to, to leave the place. All right, y'all. We're way over on time. Thank you so much. We want to be respectful of your time here. Uh, you'll be able to watch if you, if you missed any of the video here. You can go back and watch the uh, the live stream after the fact once it's published. I know it takes a couple hours probably through Patreon. But then uh, I believe next week we're going to put this out as an audio podcast as well. Hopefully you're getting the Minimalist's private podcast right there in your podcast feed as a Patreon supporter. The link is on every single uh, podcast episode that we publish on Patreon. That means you can get it right there on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Google Play or wherever you listen to our regular podcast. It shows up as a separate stream with a with a separate photo, so you can you can see the difference between the two. And we've been putting those out every single week for the last couple months now, three months maybe. And we'll continue to do that as long as we keep getting your support. We're really grateful that you decided to support yes. this. It keeps it 100% advertisement free. All right, y'all. If you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. We'll see you next time. Thanks, y'all. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so tear your eyes away, or tear.